It's the Firm Foundation Media Podcast. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires and pleased to be joined once again by the head coach of the Moncton Magic. This is Joe Salerno. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Scott. How are uh, things in uh, your coaching world today outside basketball? Outside of basketball, but uh, it's it's going all right. Just uh, kind of preparing for, for practice here this afternoon. So let's go back and talk about the last couple of games for the Moncton Magic uh, at home this past weekend at the Moncton Coliseum uh, on Friday night. You welcomed in a familiar foe, uh, a interprovincial rival, the St. John Riptide. Um, some familiar faces from last year, but some new faces in the lineup as well. But Still an intense rivalry on the floor. The first time that uh, the Magic and the Riptide have met in the regular season. And uh, there was a lot of ebb and flow to that game. Ups and downs for both teams. But overall, uh, what were your reflections on that victory after Friday night? Well, I think it was, a, it was a really good victory for us. I mean, it was a very solid home win uh, against a good team. You know, we we were looking at that game as as kind of a, a measuring stick. You know, St. John came in uh, undefeated. You know, at that point in time, they had beaten some very good teams. They'd beaten, uh, you know, St. John's Edge as well as they, they picked up a win at London. So, um, you know, for us, it was it was kind of a measuring stick. You know, this right now is the top team in the league. They're undefeated. You know, where exactly are we at? Um, so it was it was a, it was a good win. I mean, you know, I thought we came out a little slow in the first half. You know, at the same time, I thought St. John came out firing on all cylinders. They were knocking down a lot of shots and, and playing very well. Um, so, you know, it was uh, it was great for us to come out in the second half with kind of the fire that we did, and we put together a heck of a third quarter, and uh, you know, just kind of kind of rode that momentum, you know, the rest of the second half, and and again picked up a, a great win for us at home. Yeah, you know, it, you're absolutely right. St. John did come out on fire in that first quarter. I think a lot of teams when they come in to Moncton. Uh, they know that uh, the Magic are going to come at them hard, and they, they seem to be really laser-focused on that first quarter. And St. John outscored you guys 30-20 to 20 in that first quarter, and 53-44 overall. So coming out into that third quarter, you were down by nine, but you said it probably, from my money, uh, in the, at least the, the home games that I've had the pleasure of calling, the team's best quarter in that third quarter against St. John, outscoring the Riptide 37-10. to 10. And that sent you guys en route eventually to the 104-93 victory. But, you know, what was maybe the mood in the dressing room at the half? And what was the biggest difference in that third quarter turnaround? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people would have expected, you know, to be kind of a, of a loud and, and, you know, intense locker room at, at the half. But, I mean, I... I tried to kind of maintain a, a level head for the most part. And, and you know, the one thing I, I tried to do more than anything was, was, again, challenge the guys. We had talked a lot coming into that game. You know, statistically, we were one of the better teams in, in the league defensively, you know, through our first, you know, five or six games. And, um, you know, we were kind of saying to ourselves, you know, is that is that a fluke or, or you know, are we that good defensively? And, and, you know, this first half, you know, we really didn't show – that we were as good as we thought we were on the defensive end. So it was kind of challenging them saying, like, hey, you know, like let, let's put this, you know, defensive scheme that we have and everything we've been working for into motion here in the second half against a very good offensive team and and um, prove to ourselves that, that we can be that kind of defensive juggernaut and, 
you know, holding the riptide to, to 10 points in a quarter, I, I don't think it's going to happen often at all, you know, this season. But it also kind of showed us what we are capable of doing. And, um, you know, I think we held them to, like, shooting 16% or so in that third quarter. And, um, you know, a lot of times I think when teams struggle shooting in a quarter, they may shoot 20 or 30% from the floor. You know, when you hold the team to usually the 12 or 16% in that third quarter, you know, the defense also does come into play. So, um, you know, I, I think we, we kind of fed off that. It was it was a challenge. They were challenged at halftime, and, and they responded. And um, like I said, we rode that momentum the, the rest of the game. Now, of course, Double uh, A Anthony Anderson with the Magic this season, but no stranger, a former member of the St. John Riptide. Uh, any time with Anthony, maybe picking his brains a little bit about some of the guys that he would have played with and maybe see if there's a little extra clues that he could give you guys and your side to help break some of the Riptide guys down, uh, especially defensively? Um, no, not, not so much. I mean, again, I'm, I'm very familiar with, with St. John, and, and, you know, they have a new coach this year, and they definitely run some new stuff offensively. But, you know, I've, I've coached against Gabe Freeman for a long time and, and of course, seen Horace Wormley last season. And, um, you know, Anthony Stover and, you know, Double A chimed in a few times during our film sessions about, you know, individual tendencies uh, with Gabe and whatnot. But, um, you know, not, not, not as much as, as one may think. You know, I think Double A was really just kind of focused on the game and, and it wasn't, you know, anything, you know, personal. And um, he was just kind of focusing on the game plan that we were putting in front of them defensively to defend those guys and, and kind of putting his two cents here and there on, on individual players. Yeah, three of your players uh, scored 20-plus points in that game. Terry Thomas with 21, Jeremy Williams 22, and Double A was the leading scorer in that game uh, with 23 points. But overall, was there, other than the win, was there anything else you know, from that game, either uh, individually or from a team standpoint, that you really liked? Well, again, I, I like the fact that we kind of answered the bell, you know, coming out of the half. You know, you're down nine to a to a very good team um, at home, and and again, we, we challenged them at halftime, and um, you know, so obviously how they responded, you know, similar to what we've seen sometimes coming out of timeouts. You know, when when your team responds to you know executing things or, or adjustments, you know, that's always a good sign. Um, Jeremy Williams, you know, in the, the game that he had and. You know, Jeremy's really kind of becoming a, a really key piece for us. And a lot of times we kind of go as, as Jeremy goes. And, you know, some people will look at Double A and, and Terry Thomas and, you know, Al Stewart as these major pieces, which they are. But Jeremy, in, in the position that he plays on the floor and the things that we ask him to do offensively, when he's going and he's aggressive offensively, you know, it really kind of changes the outlook of our team and, and how well we can play. So, um, anytime Jeremy is, is good offensively, you know, we're going to be in a position to win. And so I, I was pleased to see that. And uh, hopefully we can start seeing that on a, on a night-in, night-out basis from j Will. And before we pull uh, push on to the game the next night against the Island Shore, maybe just uh, one more further thought on Jeremy Williams. Because where we are located, myself and my broadcast partner, David Tingley, we are right on the floor. So we've got a fantastic view of the action that's taking place right in front of us. And Jeremy Williams, he's, he's really long. And he's got this wingspan. I don't know exactly what his wingspan is, but his arms are incredibly long. And sometimes when you see him come out and challenge players defensively, especially one-on-one, he almost has the defensive intensity of a player that's much smaller, if you know what I mean. Like a lot of times you'll see smaller point guards come out and play that really aggressive D with the quick hands like an Al Stewart. But what is it about Jeremy that 
He's got all this length, but he really seems to be able to compact himself and play this really, really intense defense. Well, that's I mean, it's his versatility, and that's what you know for Jeremy why he's been able to play at such high levels at you know NCAA Division One at UTEP, and then of course spending some time in the NBA developmental league over the last couple of years. You know, he has the agility, lateral movement, and quickness of a you know point guard or, or smaller shooting guard. Yet he has the length, you know, being six eight and probably close to a seven foot wingspan. Um, you know, of a legitimate you know interior player, four or five positions. So. You know, when you, you combine those two, it can make for a very <laughs> tough defender. And, uh, you know, Jeremy was huge in that third quarter, challenging shots, contesting shots. You know, I think he had two or three blocks in that quarter, um, you know, which then ignited the transition offense, which offensively in that second half, you know, when we were getting stops consistently, we were really out pushing the ball, and it, it really freed up a lot of good looks for us, you know, uh, in transition. And, and Jeremy was a really big part of that. So, again, you know, both ends of the floor – when Jeremy has it going on and he's being aggressive, um, uh, it really changes the, the entire complexity of, of what our team looks like on the floor. So, um, yeah, no, he was he was very good that game against St. John. And like I said, we just need Jeremy to be a little more consistent. You know, and that's something he's aware of and something we've talked about. So uh, hopefully we'll start seeing that. So you turned the page on that win on Friday and then got ready for the Island Storm, <clears throat> pardon me, coach, to come across the uh, – the Confederation Bridge and visit Moncton, and just a few days earlier on December third, uh, a you know dramatic finish for the Storm with Franklin Session hitting a, a big shot at the buzzer to give the Storm an eighty-eight eighty-five victory. So they hadn't played in six days since that game, so they were pretty fresh, so to speak. You guys were coming off that emotional uh, big test against St. John, and, and the Storm came in again. And we've talked about the ebb and flow and kind of the rise and fall of games. This was very much a back-and-forth game, and the result was in doubt till the end. But the Storm with a 109-102 victory, and, and afterwards, you know, what were kind of some of the things that you took away from that game? Well, I mean, it was disappointing to, to drop another one uh, to the Storm, you know. But I, I felt this was the best the Storm had played against us, you know, this season. Um you know, us being one and three right now against the Storm is something, again, that's disappointing. But, you know, I, I thought they really earned this win. Um, you know, this may sound bad and there's no disrespect to the Storm at all, but I thought this was the first game that they really beat us. I mean, they, they beat us in, in pretty much every facet of the game. Um, I thought a couple of those other losses that we had to them, we kind of beat ourselves, whether it was poor decision-making, shot selection, turnovers, uh, et cetera. You know, the Storm played a great game that night, and they knocked down shots, and you know, there, there definitely was um, some tired legs. You know, I think our age showed a little bit that game. You know, being the second night of a back-to-back in, in the storm, being a much younger, uh, more athletic team than us, you know, that certainly did play a factor. You know, but they knocked down shots. They had great looks. They moved the basketball. You know, they have a very tough backcourt in uh, Franklin Session and, and Andre Stringer. Um, and then, of course, Devon Maxwell and, and uh, Marcus Bell has been a nice addition for them. So, uh, they played well, you know, they, they certainly did. Um, I thought I managed a, a, a pretty poor game that night. You know, I, I don't think that we used our bench as much as I probably should have in the second half, although our bench was a little shorter that game. Um, you know, I don't know if many people noticed, but Corey Allman only played about 10 minutes that game. He had rolled his ankle pretty good the night before, so he was really limited in his, his mobility, and, um, you know, I didn't feel he was going to be that effective out on the floor nursing that injury. You know, also Shanti Day was in street clothes, and, you know, when you have the shorter bench on the second night of a back-to-back, and we certainly do have a bit of an older team 
important that we use that bench. Uh, when you run into a fresh team, you know, off a week's rest and, and a, a younger athletic team, you're going to be up against the wall a little bit. And, and we certainly were that night. And, uh, you know, all those things coming together, you know, equaled a, a loss for us at home, which, which you're never happy with. And it's, it's interesting when you look at the box score from that game, you know, and sometimes you can break down analytics to the point where you almost go cross-eyed. But, you know, you guys won the first quarter, and then the Storm came back and won the second. Storm won the third. You guys won the fourth. And, again, it added up to a 109-102 uh, loss to the Storm. But, you know, again, you talk about not having um, a couple of players, Ashanti Day, and, of course, you're absolutely right. Corey Almondoni playing 10 minutes. And Anthony Cox played 16, but I know that you don't like to comment on injuries. Most coaches don't, but he, I think, turned his right ankle as well or did something to his right ankle, which kind of leads me to overall health-wise, other than the typical bumps and bruises that you have through the course of a regular season, is there anything without divulging specifics that is concerning you right now on an injury front? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple things. We're certainly not 100% healthy. Um you know, one guy that we do know will be out, uh, Tim Mitchell is going to be out for the next week or so. Um, he's another guy that's been nursing a, uh, a knee injury. Um, you know, he was actually seen by a, uh, orthopedic surgeon the other day and, um, you know, he, he's going to need some time off, you know? So that, I mean, that's a concern. Obviously when you're going into this next couple games with, with teams that are very good front courts and Halifax and, and St. John, but you know, we are trying to look at it as the mentality of the kind of next guy up you know, um, has to step up and, and that's the way we're looking at this week. But, um, yeah, we, we do, we're a little banged up right now. I think a lot of teams are a little banged up. I think you're, you know, really two to three weeks into the regular season where you've played quite a few games, there's been some quick turnarounds and this is that time where guys, you know, you find out who was in great shape coming in the off season. And, um, you know, right now you're, you're going to be dealing with some injuries. So, it's nothing you can really control. Uh, you have to try to manage them as best that you can. Uh, give the guys the treatment that they need and then try to get them back to 100%. So for us right now, um, you know, we just got to get healthy, you know, but it's no excuse. And, and I still think that we have a team that can come out and compete and win ball games, uh, even being down at a player or two. So looking ahead, of course, you've got the Halifax Hurricanes. You mentioned them tomorrow, uh, but your last game on Saturday, you mentioned you're practicing today with the bumps and bruises and other things. Uh, you know, how, how much time, if any, have you been able to give the guys off since that game on Saturday? Um, we had Sunday off. You know, we took Sunday off as a whole. Uh, Monday was a, was a pretty light practice, and we were actually resting and, or kind of missing three or four guys. So we were down to, you know, eight or nine players that actually could have a full practice. So we had a very light practice on Monday. Um, we then again moved our practice to the evening last night to give us kind of more of a turnaround time uh, for rest. So we had we had a good practice last night, um, pretty intense practice. You know, we didn't, we didn't start until eight o'clock in the evening. Uh, again, trying to give the guys as much rest as possible, and, and then we'll go again today this afternoon. Um, so again, we're, we're managing it the best that we can, but it, it's still early in the season. And you know, being a, a 500 ball club, I mean, we still have a lot of things to work on. And and um, you know, for me, it, it's playing with more consistency, you know, on both ends of the floor, where we've really showed a lot of flashes of brilliance, and we've looked very great at times, and, and then other times we've looked like a totally different team. And, um, you know, to me that comes down to practicing with consistency. 
and that's something you have to kind of battle through. You have to battle through the, the soreness, the sore bodies, and the injuries, and you got to kind of find that balance of of rest and, and you know getting your, your bodies right for being 100 percent on game day, which is which is the goal. We need to have our players ready to go. Yet at the same time, having a consistent practice schedule where you continue to, to kind of improve and, and gel, and um, you know, like I said, play with with a more consistent style uh, on game day. And before we move on again, talking about that, and, and you mentioned that there's been times when this team has played really well, and, and there's no question about it. To go back to that third quarter against the Riptide, sitting there courtside where we are broadcasting the game from, <clears throat> in the number of years that I've been watching NBL basketball, for me, that's arguably the best quarter that I've seen any team play. As a coach, how frustrating is it to want to be able to bottle that and capture that and have that happen on a consistent basis? Or maybe not frustrating, but what's the secret formula to being able to figure out how to take that and to to use your word to make it more consistent? Well, I think that's the, the formula that coaches are trying to figure out all the time. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, if, if you could bottle that up, you, you probably wouldn't lose many games. Um, you know, I think it's, it's having your players understand, you know, in, in – that you're capable of playing that way. And then it's de- it's demanding them to have that effort all the time. And, you know, having a quarter of, of 37 to 10, I mean, a lot of things have to go right. You know, you have to be knocking down shots. They have to be knocking, you know, missing a couple of open looks they may have throughout that course of the quarter. You know, your communication and intensity and energy on defense has to be consistent for, for 12 minutes straight. And, you know, it's a little unrealistic to, to expect that type of play you know, night in, night out, every minute of every quarter in, in a long 40-game season, especially when you're playing back-to-backs. And, you know, that third quarter we had against St. John on, on Friday night, I think it's virtually impossible to mirror that, that quarter on Friday night uh, against the Storm. You know, you just legitimately don't have that energy in, in the legs to do so. So, you know, it, it's, it's, again, you're trying to get that as consistent as possible. And a lot of it is mental. You know, a lot of it is... Um, you know, a coach's responsibility to get that or close as close to that from his players as, as he possibly can, you know, every quarter of every game. And, and that's what we're still working towards, you know. And, and, again, some of that also has to be the development of your bench. Um, you know, if your bench is showing you that, that they can come out and compete at that same level as your starters, then your chances of, of bottling that quarter and that same type of energy and aggressive style play is, is that much higher because physically, as a team, you're, you're capable of doing that. So, you know, it's something you work towards, something you work towards all season. And, I mean, really the hope is the last quarter of the season um, and into the playoffs, you are you have got that formula bottled and, and the guys fully understand it. And um, you have to compete at that high of a level to be successful in the postseason, you know. So that's, uh, that's our goal and that's kind of what we're working towards. And, you know, early on in the season when I think it was maybe the first podcast that we did, you know, we talked about the league overall, and you had mentioned that the whole league, all of the teams had gotten better. The new addition, St. John's, the edge looked to be a very good team, and that is borne out. But, you know, you were talking about the parity across the league, and as you look at the standings, Coach, uh, of all the teams in the NBL, every team has at least two losses. And, you know, you guys, yes, you're 500, and I know you're not happy with it, but you're right there at the top of the Atlantic Division, if you look at the Central Division, the Edge have just gone crazy at home 4-0, and 
but still they've got a couple of losses at seven and two. And then you look down, you know, a couple of teams that were maybe thought to run away with it are 500 or below. So as you've got a good chunk of the, the regular season in, you know, what you talked about at the beginning of the year, all the teams getting better and there being parity seems to be playing out. From a coaching perspective, when you look around at what's happening in the league, what are you what are you kind of taking away from where things are right now in the National Basketball League of Canada? Oh, I'm just taking away that it, it, it's it's tough to get wins, you know, but it, it's always it's always been that way. Um, you you legitimately have to come out and play well every single night uh, to get a win and, and to stay in contention, you know, for you know home court advantage in the playoffs. You know, that's why every every game matters, you know, during the regular season. Um, we had talked, you know, a little bit about, you know, before the St. John game, you know, how St. John had, had beat the uh, the edge at home. You know, the Riptide had won that game against the edge at home. We had lost our only home game this year against the edge. So we need to make up that win somewhere else. And, and you know, this was the, the time to do that against St. John to kind of get that win back because you just know, you know, the majority of the teams in this league are going to finish around 500. There's, there's not any teams that are going to finish the season, you know, 30, 35 and five again, or 30 and 10. You know, I think you're looking at teams that are going to be 22 and 18, 23 and 17 are going to be teams that are in contention to win a division. So, um, it, you know, it just tells me again, it, it's, it's similar to has been almost every season. You have to be ready to play every single night. Um, every team has their strengths and weaknesses but every team's going to be competitive, and, and I think they've, they've showed that this season. So it makes for exciting basketball. You know, it makes for exciting basketball for fans. And um, but you know, it also tells me right now, you know, we're we're going to be competitive, which is great. You know, we need to continue to get better, and um, you know that that's all we're kind of focused on, just being a little bit better the next day, uh, being better today at practice than we were yesterday, and being a little better Thursday night um, against Halifax than we were against the Storm on Sunday, and it's just. Small steps of improvement uh, each day. Well, we referenced it earlier, but a big, long stretch of road trip coming up for you and the Moncton Magic. Of course, it does begin tomorrow night in Halifax with a game at Scotiabank Center against the Hurricanes. Uh, your first chance to play Halifax in the regular season this year. But what are going to be a couple of keys for you guys to uh, to pull a win out of Scotiabank Center tomorrow night? Oh, I think for sure. I mean, the, the, the battle on the glass tomorrow is, is, um, is, is, is huge. You know, Halifax has a has a tremendous front court. Um, you know, they also have a tremendous back court. They're they're a very deep team, but you know, this is a team that you know is isn't tops in the league when it comes to offensive rebounds per game. Um, you know, shot attempts per game. I think they're averaging ninety shots a game, which is first in the league. And they're probably you know they're first in the league in field goals made per game. A lot of that comes down to second possessions. You know, that they get off of offensive rebounds. Um, you know, so for, for us, you know, being competitive on the glass tomorrow night or, or winning that rebounding battle will, will, will be a huge point of emphasis for us in, in trying to win that game tomorrow. You know, trying to keep, um, you know, their, their backcourt, you know, a little bit under control when it comes to guys like Antoine Mason and, and Mike Poole and, and Taquan Zimmerman. They've been very solid this year. Um, you know, so for us, I mean, they're a tough team all the way around. You know, we have to buckle down defensively and, and not give them second-chance opportunities, and which hopefully then would ignite our transition game. So um, they're, they're tough all the way around, Scott. You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, they have great players in the front court and Billy White and C.J. Washington and 
your regular players in the backcourt and Zimmerman and Blinkscale and Mason that are deep teams. So our bench is also going to be a big factor tomorrow night. You know, we're going to need guys like Corey Allman, um, you know, Anthony Cox and, you know, Kevin Farrell Thomas is going to see more time tomorrow uh, with having Tim Mitchell out. So uh, it's going to be all hands on deck and, and, you know, we need everyone to step up and, and really play our best game to get a tough road win down there. Well, I would encourage uh, any fans of the Moncton Magic that can make the trip or in the Halifax area to head out to the Scotiabank Center and support the Magic tomorrow night. That's a 7 o'clock Atlantic start. If you can't be there, you can certainly catch the game online. You can see all of the NBA, or excuse me, the NBL live stream links on the NBL Canada website. <clears throat> Coach, you're going to have the Maritime Tour coming up over the next few weeks, just to let fans know. You're going to be in St. John for that rematch with the Riptide on December 17th. That's a 2 o'clock start. Then uh, off to Cape Breton to play the Highlanders on the 20th. Then a couple of days off to celebrate Christmas and the holidays. And then all the way over to the Island Storm for yet again another game with the Prince Edward Island guys. Uh, That'll be on Boxing Day on the 26th. So, Coach, pardon me, as you look ahead to this next couple of weeks, this long road trip, what are going to be some things that you're going to do from a coaching perspective and your coaching staff to kind of keep the guys focused, to keep them kind of um, zeroed in on the fact that, gosh, we're away from home for a couple of weeks, it can be a little disheartening. What kind of things are you going to do to keep them sharp on the road? Well, I mean, I think for us it's – I actually think, Scott, this, this road trip's coming at a great time for our team. You know, I think a lot of times when teams go on on road trips where you're playing four or five games on the road in a row, it, it's a way that, you know, you, you kind of have to build chemistry. You have to kind of build, you know, camaraderie. and Because it really is kind of you against everybody. You know, you're, you're on the road. Um, you don't have your fan support there. You're, you're playing in another arena. Um, you know, you really kind of have to have each other's back and, and kind of come together and, I've seen that over the years, you know, with the teams that I've coached, that that's really kind of what forces you to have more chemistry and, and, and to, to have more camaraderie and excitement on the bench. And um, it kind of helps you come together as a team, these road trips. And I think that's coming at a good time for us. You know, it also, when you get out on the road like that, it kind of takes you away from, from some distractions. You know, it kind of takes you away from some friends and, and, and ticket requests and, you know, maybe maybe things off the court that the guys may be interested in doing. So, you know, I'm just going to try to emphasize to the guys that this is a great time for us to be focused on just us, you know, just basketball, just our play, our execution, you know, our game plan, the things that we have to do. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, and, and I'm trying to get the guys to kind of look at that trip in, in the same way, you know, not looking at that as, as a negative thing, playing our next four or five on the road, but, but more as a positive, that this is an opportune time for us to, to kind of see how tough we are and, and have each other's backs and, and go out and, and try to get some road wins, which is a uh, which is tough to do in this league. So um, I think it's a, it's a good time for this, this trip for us and kind of looking forward to it, to be honest with you. And just to kind of wrap it up, Coach, you know, one of the things that is great about being uh, able to broadcast the games for the Moncton Magic is I get to be around you and the guys. And honestly, I mean, I've been around teams at different levels of pretty much any sport that's played in Atlantic Canada. But the thing that has struck me about this group is just what a great group they are. And, I, and I'm not saying that because I'm calling the games for the Magic, but it's a really fun bunch of guys. I've talked about it all season, but the mix of the veterans and the young guys, it's really great to see. There's lots of great humor on the team. I mean, Anthony Cox is hilarious. Even Al Stewart has got a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor going, but a really good bunch of guys. 
maybe just to comment, you know, because you've had them now for several weeks together as a team, you know, seeing them game in practices and all that, but maybe just a comment on the team from that perspective, you know, what they're like as a collective group. Well, they, they, they really are a, kind of a joy to work with, and, and you're spot on when they, they just are a great group of guys. And, you know, like I said, when, when it comes to the veteran guys, they are, are a group of guys who really could care less about the individual accolades and, and their individual stats this season. They, they really just want to win games. So when you have a group of guys that are playing unselfish basketball, it makes it that much more enjoying, and, and no one's really concerned about themselves, but more the, the team as a whole. Um, and then when you look at the rookies we have, you know, we have rookies that, that just have a really good head on their shoulders and they have a great attitude and they understand that, you know, their time is going to come. And, and right now they're in the, the stages of learning, you know, from the veterans and, and kind of learning how to play the game at the pro level. And, and they've accepted that, which is also something, you know, that, that helps team chemistry when you don't have guys complaining about how many minutes they're playing or how many shot attempts they have. Um, so it makes for an enjoyable mood, you know, on the court and, and on the bench and in the locker room, which then I think transpires to off the court. And, um, you know, guys are kind of generally happy and, and they're happy to be here. And I think that's also something to be said for the organization, you know, the magic as a whole. I mean, the, what, what this organization is doing for guys off the court, you know, everything from, you know, their nutrition plans to their, their living situations. And, um, you know, it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's a class act, and I think everybody enjoys working for a company like that. So guys are happy to go to work each day, you know, and that's, that's a big thing. So, you know, it's been, uh, it's been great so far, and, you know, hopefully we can get on a little bit of a role here. And, uh, you know, I think you'll see even, even more smiles uh, on a day-to-day basis with just a great group of guys. Well, listen, if nothing else, I get excited every home game just to see what cartoon game socks Anthony Cox is going to wear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's got, he's got quite the, uh, you know, it's funny, I, we showed up to film yesterday in the locker room, and, and of course our, our guy Mitch Rowley, you know, one of the guys on our staff, um, he's our equipment manager, you know, he's, he's doing the laundry, and, you know, he puts all the guys' laundry, you know, kind of out on their, their lockers, and I, you know, there's several different pairs of, of socks on Anthony Cox's locker, and I have to kind of stop and, and look at him each day to see which, uh, which cartoon characters are out there, and he certainly has a collection, there's no doubt about that. Well, listen, Coach, uh, collection of socks and a great collection of players, no question about it. Listen, we're going to miss seeing you at home over the next few weeks, but I'll certainly be uh, watching via the live stream. And again, I would encourage fans, if they're in any of the venues where you guys are playing, to get out and support the team, at the very least, to watch those games online. We'll look forward to chatting again next week. And certainly, uh, best of luck tomorrow night against uh, the Hurricanes. And then a couple of days later in St. John, lots of luck against the Riptide. Go get them, Coach, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, that's great. Thanks a lot, Scott. Not a problem, my friend. That's Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. And this has been the Magic Time Podcast. Until next time, my friends, I'm Scott Squires. Take care. Have a great day. It's the Firm Foundation Media Podcast.